You and your partner have just adopted a child and are extremely happy about it. You've told all your family, your friends, and your coworkers. When you go to request maternity leave to bond with your child, your boss smirks and chuckles a little bit. You start to feel guilty. Is it wrong to request that time? Why does this feel different than when a parent has a biological child? Welcome to the Innovative Business Podcast from the Handcammer School of Business at Baylor University. My name is Bo Mello. And I'm Justin Walker. On this episode of the Innovative Business Podcast, we have Assistant Professor of Management, Dr. Kaylee Hackney, to discuss her research, Welcome to Parenthood, an examination of the far-reaching effects of perceived adoption stigma in the workplace. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you. <laughs> I'm a little nervous, but I'm good. I'm ready to go. <laughs> perfect, perfect. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about what perceived adoption stigma is? Yeah, absolutely. So if I asked you to picture the perfect family, like what immediately comes to mind? Uh, like mom, dad, couple kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pick a fence. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Right. It's it's typically we envision a mother and a father who are happily married. Maybe they have a couple kids. Usually we envision those kids are kids that are their biological kids, right? They are naturally conceived. Um, they went through the pregnancy and the excitement of all of that. Yeah. And the fact that that's what we picture when we think about a perfect family um, really just highlights the fact that those who maybe didn't build families this way are at risk of maybe being stigmatized because they're building their family in other ways, right? Namely, right. through adoption. Yeah. yeah, so perceived adoption stigma is really just the fact that they are seen um, as second best. Um, it's like the second best option to yeah. building a family. Or sometimes, you know, you'll hear that they're not really seen as real parents since they didn't go through pregnancy and childbirth and everything like that. And we see this come up everywhere, right? It's just part of of our society, of our our culture. Um, You see it um, in media, you see it in myths or fairy tales or films or books. And it's just these negative beliefs that people are just a little uncomfortable with building families through adoption. Right. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, as we were going through your research, we also noticed that that is paired with this idea of minority stress theory. Do you mind explaining what that is also and how those kind of correlate together? Yeah, absolutely. So minority stress theory is really just a theory that says that individuals who have a minority identity, so in this instance, it'd be um, individuals who are building their families through adoption or adoptive couples, adoptive parents, um, they are at risk of experiencing more stress than your average employee because of that minority identity. So if they encounter perceived adoption stigma in the workplace, that would, we conceptualize that as a stressor. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a stressor that other people, other employees who are not adoptive parents are not going to encounter at work. So the minority stress is, is the fact that they have more stress because of that more minority identity. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. So can you tell me a little bit about how you kind of examined these two things, these two phenomenons within the business world? Yeah, absolutely. So this actually was, um, this study was part of a larger data collection focused in on adoption in the workplace. Um, so Dr. Matt Quaid kind of led us through this this um, data collection. And we worked with one of our, co-auth- our co-authors, um, Ryan Hanlon, who actually works for the National Council for Adoption. And so he put us in contact with um, adoption agencies, adoption newsletters, or um, adoption advocacy groups, and we were able to send out surveys to adoptive parents. Um, So yeah, we collected data, 
on you know, perceived adoption stigma and some of the other variables in the study um, that they were sent these surveys via email. We ended up with almost five or a little over 500 couples um, wow. where at least one of the two, one, one person in the couple was working full time. That way we were able to assess like what was going on at work, right? Okay, were yeah. you encountering perceived adoption stigma at work? So what does that look like at work? I mean, is it outright like we don't support adopting or Mm -hmm. is it just like minor little things where it's like, oh, that feels weird? Yeah, it could be either. Um, Typically, when we're we're looking at things like like adoption stigma, it's typically more microaggression. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times it could even be unintentional. Um, So maybe, you know, coworkers throw a a baby shower for for an employee who is – has is having a baby like she's pregnant um but then don't necessarily equally recognize an employee who's going through the adoption process or don't equally support the employee or just making you know kind of random comments that just sit sit weird right yeah make you feel like oh this is second best or um they don't really think i'm a real parent Um, so typically it's more microaggression but um it could be larger than that for sure yeah that makes sense um Kind of going off of that, um, why why do you think that is? Why or did, did you guys find anything in the study that like might lend itself to why that happens and why that stigma occurs? Yeah, I think it goes back to like where we started, right? It comes back to this fact that when we envision what a perfect family is, an ideal family, adoption is not usually the first option that people choose. Right. Um, you know, we assume that pregnancy is the better option. Um, and that's just kind of been the norm. Um, so I think that's where some of it comes from, or a lot of it comes from. And then the way it's portrayed, again, in media or books or things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That absolutely makes sense. On top of that, how does this, like, how does this affect workers? Like, how, like, obviously, there's the stress of yourself, but then, like, in the workplace, and then how does that also go out into your coworkers as well? Yeah. So um, when employees perceive adoption stigma at work, as you can imagine, that it's not a great work environment to be in if you feel like you're just looked down on or you're not really, people aren't aren't celebrating, you know, something that's a huge part of your life, right? Right. Um, A huge part of your identity, likely. Um, So adoption stigma, the way we conceptualize it in the paper is as a stressor, as a social stressor. Mm -hmm. Um, And we know that stressors, you know, cause strain and um, dysfunctional outcomes for employees. Um, specifically in this study, we link it to increased work-family conflict, um, namely because this is a stressor that really is that intersection of work and family, right? Yeah. It's a stressor that your coworkers or your supervisor aren't really recognizing or, or placing any value or importance on your um, on adoption or your, your identity as an adoptive parent, um, which is at work, right? But it's also your family identity right. um, as an adoptive parent. So we link it to work-family conflict, which in and of itself can be linked to all kinds of detrimental outcomes um, at work. Specifically here, we, we also see that it impacts negatively impacts the employee's job satisfaction. Um, as you can imagine, in that environment, employees just aren't as happy or satisfied at work. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are also their self-reported depression levels. It's not what we want to see. Right, no. yeah, no, that's uh, <laughs> bad usually. Uh. Yeah, yeah. And I think we all know it's difficult when when work is hard not to take that home. Mm-hmm. So, what did y'all find? How did this impact families? Yeah. I mean, from like the core of the family. Yeah, yeah. So in a lot of different ways, actually. <laughs> so, um, and this is why we need to take 
perceived adoption stigma seriously, I think mm-hmm. is, is really the crux of it. Um, our study shows that perceived adoption stigma is going to impact everyone that's involved, right? It impacts the employee at work, but then also at home. Um, it impacts the spouse and then even their ability to bond with the adopted child. Um, so if we start with the spouse or, the, or for, with the employee, we'll start with the employee. Um, like I said, perceived adoption stigma leads to work family conflict. Um, which then they bring, um, which then kind of affects how they feel at home. So they're less satisfied with their family life, um, and they're less able to bond with their adopted child. Which in the adoption world, like that's a really important outcome, right? Yeah. You want an adopted adopted child to be able to bond well with their adoptive parent. Yeah, that's huge. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially for like a healthy, you know, a healthy family dynamic. You, you want to see that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the fact that a workplace stressor has that kind of far-reaching impact is is crazy, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we also see that it impacts the spouse. So the employee experiences work-family conflict as a result of this stigma at work, um, brings it home. It makes this. It causes the spouse to also experience stress, um, which then impacts their depression levels and family satisfaction and ability to bond with their adopted child. Um, so yeah, in other words, the entire family is impacted by this workplace stressor. Yeah, absolutely. How, how, what are some practices? How are things, what can we do to combat that? Because obviously we don't want our employees being in these spaces where their, their mental health is struggling, their family, familial health is struggling, like those kinds of things. What can we do as employers, as businesses and things along those lines to help, help on that? Yeah. So I think the first kind of obvious thing is that managers could just make sure they're taking steps to address negative stereotypes in the workplace. Um, specifically, in this, in this instance, you know, negative stereotypes re- regarding adoption. Um, so maybe that's through sensitivity training or simply just stepping up as a role model um, to help kind of recognize and support and even celebrate adoptive parents as they go through, um, go through the adoption process in the same way that they would recognize or support a pregnant employee. Yeah. Um, Kind of on the flip side of that, in, in another study we, we conducted, um, which was led by Dr. Matt Quaid, he was looking more at the, at the positive side, right? This is more of a, a negative thing at work that has negative ramifications. Right. Um, but we were looking instead at what happens when organizations are really supportive of adoptive couples. And what we found was organizational support for adoption, which can include things like financial reimbursement or paid leave or flexible work arrangements, things like that. Um, actually have positive ramifications for the employee and their family and their attachment with their adoptive child. And then I think what's really cool is that it resulted in an increased organizational commitment for both the employee, but also the spouse's commitment to the employee's organization. So in other words, being supportive of your adoptive adoptive parents at work um, is a win-win for the organization and the family, um, the family unit. That's awesome. Yeah. So how can coworkers of... Um, people seeking adoption, how can they be supportive and use this study to uh, to better engage with those individuals? Yeah, I think one thing is just being knowledgeable of the fact that like that adoption stigma exists, and maybe being more mindful of the language that we're using or the way that we're recognizing or celebrating or checking in on our our coworkers who are going through um, the adoptive process. Like I said, sometimes the the stigma the stigma or the microaggressions that are involved there are unintentional, um, yeah. you know, maybe you just, by knowing better than we can do better, I guess right. is kind of um, what I would suggest, you know, be supportive in the same way you would support 
anyone building their family, regardless of how they're building their family. Yeah, absolutely. That makes total sense. I've even noticed that kind of language even being included, uh, like with friends that may have like a step parent or something like that, instead of saying their real dad or anything like that, you just go, oh, their biological father and things along those lines. So that makes sense to keep incorporating that kind of language that way. Right? Yeah. 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 As a worker, as someone who might be experiencing this, what are some things that that person can do? Yeah. So if you find yourself in this position where you're encountering adoption stigma at work, um, I would encourage you to take steps to like actively cope with it, right? It's a stressor. And we know that coping with stressors is best when we're like active about it. Um, so that might be, you know, reaching out to a supervisor. It could be that your supervisor just doesn't know that you need, need more support. Um, so reaching out to them, maybe um, requesting flexibility or any other resources that you might need. Um, if that's not an option or you're not comfortable reaching out to your supervisor, you know, you should, you could always check with the HR department and see like what benefits are available for adoptive parents, um, because they may have parental leave or other type of benefits available that you just don't know about. Um, so I would always encourage you to check there as well. Um, and then, you know, there's other things you can do if the workplace is just not a great place for adoptive parents. You know, you can join adoption um, adoption networks or support groups. You can maybe seek out um, another adoptive couple or, or someone who has gone through this before you and kind mm -hmm. of help serve as a mentor or a guide for you as well. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And then on the business side, what, what are some um, practices that you've seen or like real life examples from organizations that have been really supportive of or that have really done the work to be supportive of these families? Yeah, I think Baylor is a great example, right? We have great adoption benefits. I yes. think they've done a lot of work in that area, even in the last couple of years. Um, so like I said, adoption or organizational support for adoption can be things like financial reimbursement because mm -hmm. adoption is expensive, yes. um, especially, you know, if you're looking at international adoption or they, there's travel costs that are involved and all the other things. Um, so any type of financial reimbursement is great. Paid leave, um, parental leave, just like you would you would give to, um, you know, to a, a mom after pregnancy and yeah. childbirth, right, providing some sort of leave because even if you don't adopt an infant, you still need time to bond with that child. And there's still, right. you know, that's a, a huge change and transition in your family life. And, you know, introducing a child, whether they're a newborn or a five-year-old, you know, is right. still challenging. And, and um, that leave could be really helpful, helpful there. Um, flexible work arrangements are always great because with adoption, the process can be really long. And there can be... Um, Lots of meetings or things that you have to go to, home study or even traveling overseas to, you know, meet your adoptive child and you don't know how long that might last. Um, right. So things like that can be super helpful. Um, and then I think an easy, simple way is just celebrating, um, celebrating the fact that you're welcome, you know, one of your employees is welcoming in a new baby or a new child to their family um, and recognizing that that's an, an awesome thing. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so I know that this is just one of many studies that you've looked at of perceived discrimination or stigma. Um, I know prior uh, research that we've covered in other media is uh, your perceived pregnancy discrimination. Where uh, does this line of research come from as far as you finding an interest in it? Yeah. So I like to research things that like immediately impact me. Yeah. <laughs> Something that I'm super interested in, right? I, uh, I joke that my my pregnancy research really came from the fact that like my son was born during my second year of my PhD program 
And uh, he was the inspiration for my dissertation. Right? Yeah, that'll it's, do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's dedicated to him even. It's in, it's in there. Someday when he understands like how cool that is, I'll, I'll show it to him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's eight right now. He doesn't get it. Um, yeah, I just like to um, research things that are maybe more – I have a personal interest in, right? right? So as a mom, I was interested in pregnancy and what does it look like for, for women to kind of walk through that at work well. Um, between my two kids, I had two miscarriages. So I've got a, a really cool qualitative study going with um, Dr. Cindy Wu and a few other faculty here um, looking at what is it like to go back to work after having experienced a miscarriage or um, yeah. maybe even being at work while you're experiencing a miscarriage, right? And how do you navigate that? What support? What what type of support is helpful for women? What type of support is not helpful at all, right? What right, was actually even right. harmful um, that the workplace maybe did when you were trying to navigate that? Um, in terms of stigma research, I'm actually getting ready to start some cool, a cool project with Dr. Perry, Dr. Sarah Perry, um, looking at cancer stigma. So cancer mm. survivors and any stigma that maybe is associated with that. Um, we're going to look at some work family implications with regards to the, not only the cancer survivor and any stigma they may have, but also the caregiver, which is usually a family member or a spouse. Um, right. You know, how does that impact their experiences at work, their family dynamics, things like that. So right. um, it's all connected. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very, very practical, I guess. I'm just a personal interest. I also think it's interesting because I think these are things that cross over outside of business um, world. I mean, it impacts every aspect of human life. Yeah. Um, and so it's just fascinating to see that kind of research being conducted here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, thank you so much for yeah. joining us today, Kaylee. Thanks for having yes, me. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Thank you for listening to the Innovative Business Podcast from the Hank Hammer School of Business. If you want to check out more episodes of Innovative Business or the Business Review Podcast from CJ Jackson, go to handcammer.baylor.edu slash podcast. And if you would like to know even more about research and alumni stories from the Handcammer School of Business, go to bbr.baylor.edu. Thank you.